No, I'm your friend. But friends help each other face up to their problems, not avoid them. This is... You are the maddest, most beautiful thing I've ever experienced, and I haven't even scratched the surface. I wish I could stay. But if either of us are gonna survive, you're gonna have to let me go and keep on being brilliant by yourself. So Adam, you know how we name our episodes of Bad Wolf Radio? Yeah. Like the title, and I don't know if for new listeners maybe you haven't picked up on it, but the title of our episode of Bad Wolf Radio for any given week or any given review is usually, or is always, has always been a quote from the doctor. Yep. Not always a quote from that episode per se, because sometimes we use quotes from older episodes or they can come from any doctor, but at least for these newer episodes, we've been always doing a quote from Jodie Whittaker's doctor. And sometimes it's interesting because sometimes it's harder to find a good quote that you know makes sense. Sometimes I just put a quote out there that I think is funny. Sometimes it's a quote that I think embodies what the episode was trying to say. But I feel like this particular episode for uh, It Takes You Away, there's a lot of options. <laughs> you you feel that way, huh? Yeah, there's a lot of funny, there's some funny lines that, or some just weird lines that the doctor says. Like, she she just gave me a lot of content to work with here, and I can't decide which one to go with. I, at this point, as we're recording this, I don't know what the title of this episode is going to be. Nice, but there's some good nice. ones. There's some good ones out there. There was some. Uh, there was some fun dialogue. I'm not gonna lie. This. This. There were some fun moments throughout this episode. I mean, she's talking about like woolly rebellions. There's mentioning of a <laughs> frog throwing her. I mean, there's some good lines that I think we could put out there. But I haven't. I haven't picked yet. So as we review this episode, maybe I, I can come up with with which uh, quirky line that we're gonna use for for the title of this episode. And I, I think you you nailed the word right there, quirky. There were there were some quirky bits. Um, <laughs> it it felt good though. I'm not gonna lie, it felt good. Yeah, it takes you away. Felt good. Ah, <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it it takes you away. It takes me away. Yes, yes. Um, we are gonna jump right into the review this time. Do it. We're gonna yep. jump right into it. We're gonna try to get through it. Um, you know, there. This is a. Uh, Time sensitive. We got to get this one, and then we got one more episode to review, and then we got. I mean, really, the reason why we're doing it fast is because I'm traveling a lot, and I I just got back from, I just got back from Texas. I'm about to travel to California tomorrow, so this is literally the only day this week that I can record this. And and you know what? I'm I'm here for you when you got the time. I got nothing going on right <laughs> nothing now. Nothing going on. So we're gonna we're gonna knock out a quick review of it takes you away. Um, this one was written by Ed Heim. It was. And directed by Jamie Child. So uh, another new writer, right? We haven't gotten an Ed Heim episode before yet. Yeah, no, this is a, this is a, a new one. Yeah, so I'm liking the, I'm liking the, uh, you know, the change up. The Chibnall, Chibnall kind of dominated the first half of the season, but I like some of these different writers popping in here at the end. Yeah, this one in particular. Um, I was very... I was very pleased to see how it turned out with really, I mean, you look at what Ed Heim has done and there is absolutely nothing that sticks out to me. So it seems like it's at least 
from my standpoint, one of the uh, one of the bigger things that he's done from what I've seen. Um, oh, yeah? Maybe there's some other maybe there's some other stuff that other people are like, what are you talking about? He's incredible when he wrote this or this. But honestly, I'm looking at his list right now and there is there's nothing that sticks out to me that I've even heard of. I feel like I'm a tad I'm a bad like TV viewer in that writers of TV episodes don't tend to stand out to me. Like I don't know them well enough to be like, oh yeah, that's that guy that wrote that episode of this series. You know, it's kind of like Ed Heim to me is just I have no idea. Now, if it's a Doctor Who staple, like one of those repeat writers that has come yeah. back and written multiple things for Doctor Who, I'll recognize that. But since this is his first Doctor Who gig, I think uh, there's nothing else I would recognize from him. Okay, have you heard of the show Skins? No. Okay, I think that is the only one that I've heard of. I've never seen it, though, but I've at least heard the name Skins before. Okay. So, well, for this one, uh, it takes you away. This is a different... So, we're back in modern times, 2018. Yep. So, they're they're back from the past. Um, once again, we don't really have much indication of anything that's happened between the events of the last episode and this episode. It just kind of jumps into this new story um, in Norway of all places. Yeah. The first, I'm pretty sure like the first line of the entire show is like, look at those fjords. fjords oh no, yeah. it's Oh, nice fjord. <laughs> um, did, I guess the first thing that popped in my head for some reason with this was like the, the movie frozen. Yeah. <laughs> like when you hear Norway for me, I guess maybe because of the age of my children, but like, I was just like, Oh yeah. Frozen. There you go. You're looking to see the ice carvers out on the lake in the distance. Although I would say this episode, um, the accents were a little more accurate than than Frozen. Yeah, I mean, definitely. That's there was there was an, a certain ac- uh, accent for both Eric and Hannah. Yeah, they did. I thought Eric and Hannah, um, both characters. I thought the actors did a really good job. I don't know these actors very like what they're kind of background is but if they were faking those accents they did a good job yeah i i read something just really short before even watching the episode really um the actress that played hannah and just how important it was for her um as a as an uh individual who is blind um to then play a character who is blind and just for her of what what a big deal it was that she had the opportunity to to play the character and how how thankful she was for the opportunity. Um, yeah. And, and that it wasn't given to an actor that has sight. And I saw an interview with Chibnall actually talking about that as well, where he felt like it was very important that, um, if they're going to represent a character that's blind, that they find someone that was actually blind to play that character. Um, and I thought that was a great, a great decision to go with that. And I actually was really impressed with her just as an actress. I thought she did a great job. Oh, absolutely. That's some of the interactions with between her and Ryan. I mean, she definitely sold them. Yeah. And I think we've, we've talked before about kind of the guest stars that they have and if they do great or not, we've been kind of critical of some guest stars that, that have, have shown up on Dr. Who, but I thought this episode in particular, um, pretty much across the board, I thought all the, the guest stars they had were, were really solid. Yeah. And I think that's like a solid trend for even just a series in general is that anybody else that is on the screen with um the doctor with the companions 
it really we haven't had those ones where you look at them and you're like oh really would they like is this a friend of a friend like how did they put this person on screen i haven't had those same feelings that i did with some of chibnall's episodes um where it, where they had random school children just show up for an episode or two <laughs> um and we did did we mention the actress's name hannah? we didn't we okay. did eleanor walwork um played hannah and um Let's see. Eric was Christian Rubeck. Treen was Lisa Stoke. And Ribbons was Kevin Eldon. So there, we gave shout-outs to all the guest stars. Ribbons, man. Ribbons. Ribbons is another character. Yeah, we're not we're not there yet. Let's save Ribbons. We're not there yet. Okay. Let's save Ribbons. But we've just shown up in Norway, so we're not ready to talk about the alien part <laughs> hey, look, of the episode the fjords. Yet. The fjords, yes. And uh, the tasting of the soil. The doctor uh, decides to taste the soil which um, was interesting, um, which I thought was funny. We got a funny line. It I always like to hear the different uh, lines from the the characters where they speak in a dialect that I don't understand. And every once in a while, they'll just throw out a phrase where I'm just like, I don't know what, what he just said. I have to look at the closed caption. I have no idea what that means. And Graham had a moment early on with that. What line was it? The Did doctor it possibly said, end with ta? Ta, yes. The, <laughs> okay. <laughs> the doctor said something about tasting the soil and offered it to Graham, and he says, I'll give it a miss, ta. Yeah. Which yep. is like, no thanks, right? Like, yeah, I'll pass, I guess maybe a, <laughs> we would say here in, in America. But I'll give it a miss, ta. I'm going to have to remember that one. That's, I'm pretty sure I've seen Todd dropped in a couple different episodes. Um, but yeah, that that line, I, I'm the same with you. Like the first time it was just dropped and it was, yeah, I thought he just said like, I'll whatever I'll miss or whatever. But this, my second watch through specifically, it stuck out to me primarily just because of the, the usage of Ta at the end of it. Yeah. Um, did they, they kind of, they didn't really give any kind of setup as to why they were in Norway, right? It just... They just kind of happened to land there. Yeah, this is another one of those episodes where um, they never explicitly say that the TARDIS put them here for a reason. Um, it doesn't seem like they really knew where they were, right? Because that's why the doctor's tasting the soil. That's why they're trying to guess whether they're lakes or fjords. And like, yeah, there is no real reason. I think we could probably extrapolate from the end of the episode why they were there. Um, but yeah, it, it's kind of just another random place that they popped to. Yeah, I think that's kind of a theme with this doctor is they're more often than not just landing wherever and not necessarily aimed. Uh, I guess when they tried to go to the uh, Queen Elizabeth coronation, they landed in the wrong spot. But then other times, I mean, is she just land like, is it kind of like a slot machine? She just pulls the thing down and just like, <laughs> all right, let's see where we go next. I mean, we, we have the, the traditional, the TARDIS takes you where you're needed most. Um, and maybe that is what's happening and they're just not calling it out as 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 blatantly as they have in the past um i've even seen some discussion that you know what we're willing to give it a pass because we have that uh the previous episodes where that's kind of called out so that's just what's happening right but yeah, yeah. It, it does seem like this doctor more often than not it's kind of a a hit and miss um that it seems like they get in the tardis for a reason it seems like they have some intention behind what they're doing and then they just end up somewhere totally different right yeah, it seems like there's a little less direction as to what the doctor. The doctor's not on any kind of a mission, you know. We're we're kind of used to Capaldi almost, you know. He 
he was trying to find Gallifrey for a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, different doctors have had different reasons for traveling to different places. But this doctor seems to be a little bit more haphazard in her travel uh, habits. Which yeah, is kind I mean, of, it makes for some fun storytelling for sure. Yeah, it's definitely not. I mean, there's no knock against right. it at this point. I mean, we have one episode left um but it does seem like previous doctors it seemed like matt smith a lot would get like these random call for help and he would just pop to him um capaldi had like this giant mission that he was on but this one yeah it just seems like we never really have an explanation or even the motivation for why they boarded the tart boarded the tardis in the first place um we know that they go home because graham packs himself a sandwich so <laughs> i um, love that yeah, <laughs> I love that that he packed himself. That was so funny. That's it. It doesn't make a ton of sense that that sandwich stayed so perfect in his pocket, but I, I, I mean, that's cool though. I gave it a pass. No, that thing would have been it, smashed up. Cheese and pickle sarni. I mean, I can just smell that. That sounds horrible. <laughs> it um, definitely seems like something Graham would keep in his pocket, though. Like that that fits his character so well for some reason. Well, they've they've definitely dropped in I think a couple previous episodes. I remember specifically in Rosa, but I think maybe in in a couple other episodes too where Graham's kind of like, "Hey, when are we going to eat? Like when yeah. do we find time to eat?" <laughs> and so like yep. he he learned like, "Well, I guess if the doctor's not going to make time to go get food, then I'm going to bring my own food." <laughs> then the question is is he using like a food processor? on the TARDIS where like he can just go get whatever he wants or is he actually like as they're traveling to these other different places he's stopping by convenience stores and like slowly like okay here I'm gonna get some cheese here I'm gonna get a pick a jar of pickles here I, th I think he I think I can see him like them going home like those are the breaks that I think they're taking in between the TARDIS that they're actually going back he goes to his flat pulls out the saran wrap makes himself a sandwich and then gets back in the TARDIS that's like that's what I envision Graham doing I do remember a classic episode that I think we we reviewed possibly from the first Doctor, where they had some sort of food processor thing. Like I, that could... vaguely rings a bell. Yeah. I'm sure, I mean, they have the closet, they have the library, the swimming pool. I'm sure they have some sort of food thing in there. I'm sure one of our astute listeners who likes to reference classic stuff and correct us on things will, will let us know what episode that was. Drop it in the Facebook. You group. know who you are. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, they, they see an abandoned cabin and they cannot help themselves, but to, uh, well, I guess I should mention the Wooly Rebellion cause that's an important, that's an important event in the history of the universe. The Wooly it Rebellion, is. which <laughs> I think this doctor just says stuff. I'm, <laughs> I don't believe her anymore. Like <laughs> there were times where she said things and I'm like, Oh, I'm trying to make sense of it. Now I'm just like, she's making stuff up at this point. R Wooly Rebellion. Really? There was a rebellion of sheep. We have 193 years, folks, and so mm -hmm. we have to face the Wooly Rebellion. Get Prepare your, yourself. Get your shears ready. Yeah, Baram you. I thought, yeah, but uh, yeah. So they find this abandoned cabin. They can't help themselves. They go in there, and then they, it stuff looks suspicious, and yeah. then they open a cupboard, and there's a a teenager, a blind girl. Yeah, that's. The setup of them going into the cabin, I mean, it's all boarded up. The windows are boarded up. It, it looks like a, a fortress. Honestly, it looks like someone was preparing for a the zombie apocalypse, the way that they boarded yes. that place up. Three locks on the door. They get in. It's kind of like they played it pretty eerily. 
with abandoned place. They made comments about, or at, or there's kids here, or maybe someone who collects kids' shoes. Um, food wrappers all over the place. Uh, but yeah, they Graham and Ryan are sent upstairs to investigate. Yes, um, and they they come across her. That's when we get Graham's comment about the uh, the sandwiches. Yep. And because that's the only way to coax a teenager out of the cupboard is to have a, with a pickle, pickle sandwich. <laughs> Um, I thought this was an interesting episode for Ryan because yeah. we got to see Ryan do some things that we hadn't really seen before. And we also got to see how jaded Ryan is about a parent leaving. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he was not, you know, he didn't have a lot of compassion for this girl when she's talking about her father leaving and he's, he's been gone and he's just kind of like, really, he's only been gone for four days. Like he, maybe he just jetted, you know, like, yeah. um, kind of mean, Ryan was a bit mean, I think, to the girl. Yeah, nope. I I think that's a fair <laughs> a fair evaluation based on some of the comments that he makes. Even the way that um, later on in the episode he handles situations with her, it it doesn't seem like he is the most kind and compassionate. And honestly, like even in the moments where um, the mirror goes crazy, and I'm sure we'll get there, but he he kind of still thinks it's kind of a joke. It seems like he's laughing at certain parts, but yeah. Yeah. And he's, um, he is corrected by Yaz. Well, at one point Yaz is kind of like what I think what Ryan was trying to say, like, so she's trying to soften (laughs) the blow and then she's talking about how you need to reinforce what's making a kid feel okay. Yeah. Um, and she had some training and all that. Um, speaking of Ryan and Yaz, I know earlier on in the season we had kind of pointed out like hints of oh maybe he's interested in her or maybe they're trying to set up some sort of a relationship. I feel like that's all gone completely away. Like there hasn't oh. been a hint at that in a while. Oh, absolutely. That's after Arachnids in the UK. It there hasn't been any of those like little special moments um or the the hints at there being special moments. It it seems like it is just a friendship. If yeah. that even yeah, it, it definitely the closeness of those two characters. And I don't know if it's just a difference in um, focus of the writers. You know, Chibnall wrote a lot of the early stuff, and he seemed to be hinting at it. But then now that we've gotten new writers, they haven't really picked up on it. So, it, I mean, we could have been really just reading into it anyways. But yeah. I definitely thought there was, like, little inklings of, like, oh, yeah, maybe they're setting up some sort of really close friendship or relationship with those two characters. And now it's like, no, nah, they're, just, they're just, like, hanging out and not really uh interested anymore yeah i'm gonna correct myself real quick and say the last thing that we saw i think was in the Seranga conundrum where like they're in the hallway and they're talking about his father and he's like i have no idea why i tell you these things (laughs) like i think that's the last hint that we have of there anything being anything there and ever since then yeah it seems like they're pretty much separate yeah so we're in a pretty normal situation here with this with what's going on you know it's pretty grounded you know, you have this cabin in the woods type of situation, the idea that there's this monster out there, but we haven't seen a monster. You know, we've kind of heard it. We've heard the growling and all that, but we haven't seen anything, um, which a lot of times those are the type of Doctor Who episodes I enjoy, the more grounded ones. And then we get this, um, things just change. You know, we get this portal, this mirror, and it no longer a super grounded it was almost like there's two different episodes of doctor who going on you have like 
the super grounded episode and then all of a sudden they go through this mirror and it's like Alice in the Wonderland you know like they are th- through the looking glass type of situation where they go into this very bizarre world um, I liked when Ryan and Graham discovered the mirror <laughs> and Ryan was kind of like we'd know if we're vampires right <laughs> yeah and and the thing in that moment is like Graham's reaction was like he's thinking the same thing. He doesn't just discount anything that Ryan says in that moment. He's like, yeah, yeah, we would. We would know. <laughs> that was a good line. Yeah. Um, yep. But then, yeah, so the doctor, the doctor is kind of manipulating this, this mirror with the Sonic that she loves so much and stopping whatever's happening. And then she throws her face into it. Um. So, yeah. Yeah, it's slash mirror. It's it's really interesting. Like you said, there seems to be a couple different, I don't know, episodes at play here. Um, at the end of the day, it was they were setting up things and then totally changing it on us. Um, so like if if all it would have been was them stuck in a cabin and there's some monster roaming around outside, um, that I that would have been a really cool episode. Even if all they would have done is at, at the end found out it was a speaker. Like I still was really cool with that setting and with how things were going. And in fact, like every promo for the episode, even the title of the episode is like banked on those first 15, 20 minutes of them being in the cabin. But then the entire episode changes and we have like the second scene of them walking through the caverns and then we have a third scene at the end that's it's it's interesting how they set up something and then they immediately changed it but the different setups where they put the characters all three of them were solid like all three of them could have been fleshed out to be their own episode it was fun yeah i mean if it was almost like they took three different ideas for a doctor who episode and mashed them into one yeah you know you have you have the monster like in the forest that could have been a, a Doctor Who villain. You have ribbons, you know, in the in this like anti zone that could have yeah. been a whole thing. And then you have this, you know, other entity that's like all powerful. Like they literally, it was like the writers' room couldn't decide which one to go with. They're so like, let's just put them all in the same episode. <laughs> and honestly, like as we sit here and talk about that, I could think of. 10 different ways that this episode could have gone wrong because of it. Like it could have been too much, too quick. Um, it, it could have, it could have not worked out. Um, but like after watching the episode, it never felt off. It, it does work the way that they meshed them together. Yeah. I thought it worked well. Um, so when they go into this other place, I, <laughs> I thought this was funny. The doctor decides that the way they're going to find their way back to this portal is she's going to tie a string <laughs> to her rock and then just, you know, I don't know how long of string that she has in her jacket pockets. <laughs> but, I mean, okay, that's one idea, but maybe not the best idea. Yeah. There's got to be better ways. Like, does the Sonic not have some kind of, like, G- GPS tracking? She can be like, this is where we parked. You, you think that there would be less of a... Uh... I don't know. There's so many ways that string could go wrong and, and yeah, it does go wrong, but it is kind of funny to see her pull that out. But it did leave me wondering, like you said, how much string can she carry in her pockets? They wander for quite a while. Yeah. It just seems like a really bad idea. 
<laughs> it turned out to be a really bad idea, but um, yeah, I just I thought that, especially upon a second watch, I'm like, wait, why does why is that the way that she was going to do that? Um, yeah, so they meet this character Ribbons, yeah, who lives in this anti zone that they they kind of we find out later what this zone is, but it's basically like a dark cave with scary monsters in it. Yeah, very. I mean the the flesh eating moths those were those were creepy ribbons himself like he was he was a creepy character the way that he talked the way that he looked i, I mean and according to graham the way that he smelled he was a uh, quite formidable he was definitely a doctor who like you know you know your standard doctor who type of character um i actually really liked the performance for that character yeah. And I thought he was a bit Star Trek ish. Like there's, there's like, there's a character in Star Trek. I think it might've been Star Trek Voyager called Neelix. I don't know if you remember. Is he like the bartender? No, if he, I think he was like the, like a friend. Uh, I'm going to look him up because I think if you look, if you Google and I want to make sure I'm, um, I'm correct about this before I tell people to look this character up. But if you, yeah, if you Google Neelix, N-E-E-L-U-X, you'll see what I mean. But yeah, I thought this was like evil version of Neelix. No, no, I have to Google it. I want to oh, hear your reaction. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right? That's, yeah, okay. Doesn't it kind I'm... of look like, it's kind of like not exactly the same as Ribbons, but you can see the similarities in yeah, the makeup. Like, and Part of his head started to rot. <laughs> then it would be exactly him. <laughs> but yeah, so instantly I was thinking that. Um, but he was definitely kind of an evil version. And oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So so Ribbons with his glowing balloons and the killer moths, this whole this whole deal with the, the anti-zone was interesting. Very intimidating. Yeah. And for some reason, for someone like me who tends to be a little bit more critical of like silliness in Doctor Who and things that don't make a lot of sense. And there was silliness and there was things that didn't make a lot of sense for, but for some reason up to this point, at least I wasn't bothered by any of it. It was just kind of like, I was just going with it. Okay. Because I, I, we text each other. I text you as soon as I watched the episode. And honestly, I was expecting for you not to be so positive and primarily because of, this scene, this situation, the antizone with ribbons and the whole idea of like, where did he come from? And why is he there? And what is he doing? And why does he live? And how does he survive? And like all of those things that really remain, you could, you could probably create some headcanon around it. You could probably try to justify and explain it away, but we really have no idea who this character is and why he's there. Um, and I thought that was going to be a huge sticking point for you in this episode. No, I mean, I was going with it because I was thinking, okay, there's going to be an explanation. You know, we're going to get an explanation as to what all this means. And so until, until I get to a point where I feel like it wasn't fully explained, then I'm just going to go with it. And I, I will say that I don't think a lot of this stuff was explained. You know, I don't think Ribbon's existence, why, you know, there's this anti-zone that just pops up, I guess, if two, if, if uh, 
if there's going to be two universes that are going to cause damage to each other. Yeah. It's kind of the simple explanation. So this anti-zone pops up. It kind of reminded me of, and we had referenced this episode before, but uh, what is the episode? Is it Father's Day? Where there's like the time. Yep, Father's Day. Like if time Day. is, is going to be damaged and these demon things show up. Yep. It kind of reminded me of that. So it's weird, but it's like Doctor Who has already established that the universe does weird stuff when it's in danger. So apparently not only are there demons that are going to fix time <laughs> Tennant's era, or is that Eccleston? Was it Eccleston? Eccleston. Yeah, Eccleston's era. But there's now in this modern era, if two universes are going to cause damage to each other, um, a zone will pop up with a evil character with knives and killer moths and glowing balloons. Like, it doesn't See, make a lot of sense, but it's like, oh, okay, let's just roll with it. See, and that's... that's... That I think is the the logical justification for who Ribbons was and ca- where he came from because he does drop lines like, um, "I've always been here." <laughs> like, yeah, he he has no memory of where he's come from. He's just always been there. Um, and then as we find out, kind of where, um, what they find when they walk through the other portal, um, yeah, there there just seems to be some potential that he could have just popped into existence with a bit of history, I guess, that he doesn't even remember. Um, but yeah, it's just a way to keep things from going horribly wrong as characters cross from one universe to another. Yeah. Which I still, even though like they, we don't get a full explanation of it, I was still kind of like, okay, whatever. Okay, I was, cool. I was still rolling with it. I know. Is this weird for me? Yeah, kind of. Not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm, I'm getting soft this late in the season. I'm just like, eh. <laughs> still enjoy it. Um, I like how the doctor, the one thing I do like about, not the one thing, I like a lot of things about this doctor, but one of the things I like about this doctor is she see, she really, um, gives you the impression that she's seen it all. Oh, like, absolutely. this guy pops up in this anti-zone looking scary and she just walks right up to the guy and just starts talking to him. Like she's seen, you know, people like him a million times. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense for a you know thousand year, thousands of year old time lord who has been across all of time and space that somebody like Ribbons would not surprise her. You know, she's just like, oh, let me just walk up and kind of dominate this conversation with this guy. <laughs> yeah, and one thing that kind of caught me by surprise, but I guess is somewhat to be expected, is how quickly she. I don't know. She she became threatening towards um ribbons very quickly i mean yeah he did approach graham but she pulled out her sonic and basically gave the guy an ultimatum <laughs> hopefully there you really don't want those to be your last words um she was she was cutting to the quick yeah and we had talked about um in the kerblam episode that she was a little getting a little bit more abrasive and kind of getting up in people's faces and giving them these ultimatums so I guess that's kind of consistent with her character now. Yeah, she's she's when her friends are threatened, she's she's right there. Back to Ryan and uh, Hannah. So they they leave Ryan behind, which he wasn't too thrilled about. Um, but quickly, he can't handle the the situation. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? The, okay, so this entire anti zone doesn't bother me. But for some reason, the fact that she just tapped him on the head with a door and it knocked him out, that bothered me. 
But did you see the lump he had on his head at the end? He did. I mean, he definitely, if you're looking at the evidence of the the injury, it looks like it could knock someone out. But the actual scene where she kind of hits him with the door, they they didn't go all in enough. They, they should have really had her, like, knock him out with that thing. Because <laughs> it just looked like she just kind of, she was waiting for him. And then she just, like, tap, and he falls over. And he kind of walks and then stops for a second. Like, I want to know what he looked at because he pauses right before the door hits him. But when they I, – I want to call out because, like, when the doctor takes the chalk and walk writes on the wall, for some reason that was a really cool moment for me. Um, as she's basically writing, just assume her dad is dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then she's like, it's just a map of the building. Um, I don't know. There's something about that scene that I thought was very – very cool the way that they approached that she should have written i'm sorry at the bottom <laughs> it's it's toy i'm sorry <laughs> did we get an i'm sorry this episode i think we did when Probably. she stuck her head through the mirror um and then she comes back and then she's like blabbering on about the portal and hannah is like i have no idea what she's talking about i'm pretty sure she says i'm sorry then <laughs> Uh, ribbons. He was a pretty bad dude. He, uh, threatened Graham. He pulled out his knife, all of that. He was trying to kill them basically by making them run away from the moths. And then he, you know, he got his comeuppance and got eaten. All of his flesh got eaten off of his face. Yeah. And then a moth crawled out of his eyeball. What a, what a socket. brutal way for this guy to die. Yeah. I, mean, I didn't like him, but I don't know if I didn't like him that much. I did. Yeah? You were okay with him getting devoured by flesh-eating moths? I'm glad that they actually proved that the moths were flesh-eating. Yeah, they did. There was no doubt about it. (laughs) Yeah, they they really upped the ante there. And and yet, we lost our only true villain of the episode. (laughs) Yeah, he was was the villain. Yeah, he was calling people names and everything. (laughs) Um... Oh, I'm trying to think of like if there's anything worth noting before we get to the worst dad ever. <laughs> no, not really. That's yeah. we can jump right right to him. Well, Hannah does go in alone. We know that. Um, yep. Ryan doesn't go in yet. And then the jumping over because it's kind of broken down into two, you know two groups here. Uh, Yaz, Graham, and the Doctor have gone in together to through the portal, and then Hannah stays back with Ryan. So there's kind of we've separated the story, which is pretty typical for this this season of Doctor Who. There's a lot of, like, this group's doing this thing, this group's doing another thing. Um, they converge in the end. It's like Star, Star Wars storytelling. <laughs> they they do split up. I mean, we had that countless times throughout Kerblam. That's what um, happens when you have three companions. Three companions and three, three companions that seem to be pretty self-sufficient at the end of the day. Well, this far into the season, I mean, we're almost done, but what do you think? Like, how are you feeling with these three companions? Do you, do you like the, the additional characters, or do you wish for a time of just Clara? Is it, is it bad that I'm really enjoying the characters, um, but we could have gotten more of them? Is that, maybe that is because there's the three of them. Um, it doesn't seem like we know any one of them to the degree that we have known a single companion at the end of the series. Um, oh, I know one of the complaints I've seen uh, pretty consistently pop up about the season is the doctor's not getting enough screen time. Yeah, I mean... And that's, you know, because we have three other characters that, to focus on. 
I, I didn't really notice it too much throughout the season. I, I, I didn't feel too bothered by the doctor not getting enough screen time until it was pointed out to me. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> so um, I really like all three of the characters, but I wonder... I am curious to see how we roll into the next season with uh, Whitaker. If we're if we're going to retain all three companions, do we get new companions? Like I think, I think there's an opportunity for change, and we'll see what happens. I just don't know how they'll handle something like that. Like at this point, there would be no motivation for any of the three to stop traveling on the TARDIS. That's I don't I don't see there any being any reason for Graham to step out. I don't see any reason for Ryan to step out and I really don't see any reason for Yaz to step out. That's they I I think they would literally have to kill one of them off to have any any compelling motivation for them not to be on the TARDIS. Yeah. I mean from everything that they've seen and everything that they've gone through, none of them have blinked an eye. They're they're they just keep coming back without ever questioning. Yeah. Um, okay. So we had, I kind of teased the worst dad ever, but we run into, so they find another portal, Dr. Yaz and Graham find another portal and they end up in the same house, but in a different dimension, different universe, right? Yeah. Different plane. And they, they run into Hannah's dad, Eric, who's like making breakfast or something. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's just he's just in the kitchen whistling a tune, having a grand time after leaving his daughter for four days. Yeah, and he's in his like backwards Slayer shirt. This, um, did you catch that the reverse print on? Yeah, that? yeah. I didn't catch it until my second viewing, but I was nice. like, oh, it says Slayer backwards, and then later on, I was like, wait, it says Slayer correct? Oh yeah, it was Mirror a mi- World. Mirror World. That makes sense. I mean, their actually it doesn't details actually do that. Pretty cool. If you really think about it, though, technically, it was an alternate universe and not a mirror universe, so it really shouldn't have affected the way the clothes were. Well, it, if you also look, they swapped which side their eyes were on, and um, they swapped the and their ears. The doctor's part in her hair. Yeah, pretty cool. And her her stripes went the other direction. I like the detail. I do like it. It just doesn't make sense. You know, if this if this universe entity is trying to create a copy of another universe, why would it reverse it? <laughs> especially That's... if he's trying to convince people it's real it's a pretty <laughs> big tell <laughs> a pretty big tell when you see everything's backwards wait a second although i didn't notice it right away so it's backwards um, day all right so this alternate universe has bad eric bad dad eric eric's wife is alive in this universe which is why he's staying yeah um which still i mean come on dude the fact the, the lack of concern for the daughter was my problem <laughs> she's a teenager there's a freezer full of food because, like, and she's scared to death of a monster that you told her was outside well like when they were calling him out on it and he if he had been a little bit more remorseful and like yeah you know i really shouldn't have left her and it, it pains me but i'm you know i found my wife and i'm trying to figure out how to get her back but the fact that he was just like eh like shrug <laughs> yeah i appreciate you coming you can leave now i'm like i already like not liking this dude i'm like i kind of don't want him to come back she's probably better off without him yeah i mean the doctor wasn't too she wasn't easy on him Mm-mm. towards the end i mean called him an idiot and all sorts of stuff she did she was yeah the way she was describing him at the end i was like oh that's kind of rude 
Yeah. He's right here. It's accurate. <laughs> he it's accurate, but kind of rude. Yeah. Um, but we got, I would say, the biggest, the biggest surprise for me in this episode was when they were like, well, don't you want to see your friend? And then you have like the the laundry hanging on the lines, and then you have this mysterious character standing there, and Graham's gonna go talk to her. And like I'm starting to, you know, you you were probably doing the same thing, just same as our listeners. But you're kind of start to put it together, yeah, and figure out that we're about to see Grace. And I I think I mean I could be wrong about this, but I hadn't heard any kind of like rumors or you know, set leaks or anything that she was going to be making an appearance. No, so I, I was completely blown away. Absolutely. That's when they said, when they were still in the house and they said, you're not going to see your friend. She got here when you did. I mean, my mind was going all over the place. Never did it rest on grace until the moment that they walk up and you like start to see the reveal. And then it's like, Oh my goodness. Did they really do this? Did anything else pop into your head, like any other characters? Well, I was just like, is it going to be River Song? Like, who who <laughs> else could, like, whose friend are they referring to? Mm-hmm. Um, my mind was all over the place. I'm glad it was Grace, um, although it, it definitely sets up a lot of emotional tension. It made complete sense for that to be the character. Absolutely. Um, especially for emotional effect for the audience. Now, if they had been... It could have been anyone else from, you know, Ryan's dad, maybe, or even Ryan's mom. You know, it could have been. But we would, since we have never met those characters as viewers, it wouldn't have had the same impact to us. Yeah. So it was a perfect character to pick. And I, I mean, for me, I, it was like a gut punch. Cause I, I mean, I really, we, we all really liked that character from the first episode. And we, I think we had even talked about if we thought there would be some sort of a return because she was so good. Yeah. And so, like, here, here we get it. And then you kind of want to believe, just like Graham, that this is like, oh, they found her. Like, she's back. You know, I wanted it. I wanted it almost as much as Graham did. I'm like, oh, oh, I it, want her to be real. I want her to kind of hang out for a while. It's it's such a hard, hard scene. Like, what would you choose? Like, you're, you're Graham in that situation. I... I that would that would be horrible, absolutely horrible. Yeah, I really liked. It. I think that's what sold it for me. This episode, there was a lot of you know the things that you thought I wouldn't like. Probably in a different episode, maybe would have been enough for me to be like, eh, I don't like that stuff. But because there were moments like this to kind of offset it, it was the payoff was there. You know, the payoff of this you know, kind of decision that Graham has to make and the return of grace in a way was where I was just like, okay, I don't care what this whole anti-zone and how they got here, but they got here and this is cool. Uh, I'm, I'm in full agreement. Like if there wasn't, um, if there weren't moments like this, like Ryan discovering the speakers in the yard, I thought that was a really cool moment, a really solid part of the episode. And then this moment with grace and graham and there were such there were these like really high points and like really well done points that anything else where it was like "Eh, that's kind of creepy or that kind of strange or uh i have a lot of questions about that none of that really mattered because there were these moments of just of of doctor who excellence yeah so there's two things in this episode i didn't like 
um, like bigger things that I didn't like. Not to not nitpicky things, but just like bigger elements I didn't like. And one of them is the explanation as to what this universe was. How okay. They, I just felt like it was overdone. The, the doctor, yeah, the doctor went into this whole thing where it's kind of this Gallifreyan legend and seven grandmas and there's this universe that couldn't exist next to the other universe so it got banished and it wants to be friends and like that whole thing I was like this is a little too much like I think they could have explained the, a similar concept with a lot less words <laughs> um, and just been like yeah, this is a alternate universe that's trying to connect with our universe and we're not letting it, you know, and that's what the anti-zone is and all that. See, the the solo track to me is one of those things that like Moffat would have stretched out for an entire season. Like yes. you would have had bits and pieces of it and then all of a sudden you would have this big payoff. What I I so I have no issue with the the concept of the solo track and even the explanation of what it was. My issue is, is that is that it comes in two minutes and it's just sold as a, Oh yeah, this is, this is a really big thing and it's a huge thing. And honestly, it's like an origin of the universe type thing. Like she just <laughs> explained all of creation in two minutes and we're just supposed to be like, Oh snap. And it's here now. Whereas if it was played out over multiple episodes, I think it would have paid off so much more. Yeah. And maybe that was my issue with it is because it was such a big concept that I wish they would have simplified it to what it was because she did give a pretty long explanation to the, what this thing was, but in the end, it's really a simple explanation. Yeah. There's not yeah. much to it. No, but she made it seem like there's a whole lot to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's not a huge deal, but I did kind of, I, by the time she was finished explaining, it, I'm like, well, why didn't you just say it that way? <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> um, the whole seven grandmas thing too. It's kind of I like that's another one where like the woolly rebellion where I'm just like whatever. You don't have seven grandmas. Stop it. I know, but the fact that she's like a grandma five also said that grandma two was a Zygon yeah. spy. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't think funny. she was right on that one. Like <laughs> those are those are funny moments for the for this doctor. Yeah, and they're trying to figure out what this you know, what's the purpose of this universe and there's this anti-universe or this anti-zone and what are we trying, what is it trying to protect from? And then Yaz is like, it sounds like a trap. And I'm like, you think? <laughs> <laughs> That's, they gave, they, there's two lines in this one where it's like either Captain Obvious or where did you pull that from, Yaz? One is it's a trap. And then the other one is where Yaz is just like, maybe if we could do something like reverse the polarity. polarity. <laughs> it's like, wait a second, where is this coming from? And the doctor's like, yes, you know, like... You the, speak my language. We, yeah, Jodie Whittaker definitely oversells her, her excitement sometimes on the reveal of things. <laughs> you're so, you're such a genius. Um, but yeah, so we got the explanation of this other universe and I actually thought... I was starting to get to the point in my mind where I was like, oh, wow, this is a very elaborate thing to draw specifically the doctor here. Yeah. Because yeah. the doctor is this really powerful entity that is from our universe and this other universe is trying to trap her for whatever reason. And I'm like, oh, this is cool. This really makes a lot of sense. But then you really find out that's not it at all. That no. This, this other universe wasn't trying to draw anyone specific. It was just trying to get anybody. Yep to come in and, and make contact with it. 
which was a little disappointing that there wasn't a more specific kind of trap for the doctor herself. Yeah. And like the only thing that I can think of is because this is such a capsule episode, because it's just a single episode that like, I don't know. I just feel like some of those story elements that it could have been so much more would have taken more episodes to kind of like set up and explain. Yeah. But, um, so we get this basically, you know, kind of trying to, to zip through the rest of this, but we get, we get the reveal that it's this alternate universe, but Graham and Eric still aren't completely convinced. And so, but then there's suddenly there's different tells that, um, once, I guess once somebody kind of vocalizes that they don't believe it, they get thrown out. Yeah. Um, which starts happening to everybody. Like Yaz gets thrown out. Hannah gets thrown out. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then it comes down to basically Graham and Eric and Graham realizes that, you know, it's not really grace because grace isn't that concerned with Ryan's well being. Yep. And so then he gets thrown out. In that moment, I know, I know we're, we're jumping through things now, but that moment where Graham is just sitting there and then he's like, ah, oh, so close. So, you were so, so close. close. Yeah. Bradley Walsh like sold it there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this was a Bradley Walsh episode. This was really a Graham I think if you're talking about companions specifically, I mean, Ryan definitely with Hannah had some moments too. So we don't want to take that away from him, but we'll just say this. It was a Yaz light episode. Yep. The other two definitely got much more focus, but it comes down to it. The doctor, we were kind of saying before how the doctor says bad things about Eric (laughs) because she's like, really? Like it's down to me or Eric and you want to keep him like (laughs) you want to keep me. I'm awesome. You know, really is what it comes down to. Um, and then Eric gets thrown out and then it's just down to the doctor. And this is when things get weird. It, it, it does get weird. This is a little strange. (laughs) My biggest gripe for this episode is this. And I think this is, this is one of those things in doctor who that they did it and you're like, at least for me, my stuff, like for what I like to see from doctor who. I'm starting to roll my eyes at what's happening. But then I'm looking at the, like the long term, like five years from now when we look back on this stuff and be like, hey, remember that episode where a frog showed up in a chair? Like, that's like classic Doctor Who. You know, like that's something that people are going to remember. You know, they're going to make T-shirts out of this stuff. But in the moment, I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, this is so good. Oh, this is fun. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh yeah, it's Doctor Who. <laughs> like when the frog shows up, it's like, oh yep, it brings me back to Earth, and it's like curveballs like that. That's honestly, those are some of the things that I love. Where it's not what I'm expecting. Honestly, I would have never done it. And yes, it is goofy at the end of the day, and you scratch your head to think of why in the world did they do this. But even even within the past week of just like my son brought home a library book of frogs, just a huge book about frogs. And on the front is a frog that looks exactly like the frog from this episode. And I can do nothing but laugh because it's like, yep, Doctor Who, I I just watched that episode. I mean, I do want a t-shirt with a frog in a white chair. (laughs) Now I do. Um, I mean, do you think that's something that happens in the writer's room where they're, where they are actually looking for, like, I can imagine they're in the writer's room. They get to this point and they're like, okay, we're going to have Grace 
in a white chair talking to the doctor. And it's going to be this really emotional moment where this universe is trying to connect with her and just trying to be friends, but it's going to use Grace as an entity that's familiar with the doctor. And then somebody else in the writer's room is like, no, that's way too boring. Like, this is Doctor Who. we got to make it a frog. <laughs> like, because one makes a lot of sense and the other doesn't, but it kind of still, it does make sense because that is more Doctor Who-like. Yeah, I, I don't Cause know. Because I think... They could have done it with Grace. I really do. And especially considering that that actress came back specifically for this episode. It would have been. And a good... she's the voice of the frog. She's the voice she of the still frog. is in the scene. She's voicing the frog. Like how emotionally impactful would that have been to have that be the character? Like that's yeah. sitting in the chair and they use that form to make a connection with the doctor. And, not a... and it wasn't even just a frog. It was a really big poorly done frog it was a poor it was a poorly done frog <laughs> the mouth movements were horrible like it just looked yeah. like a fake like a little fake frog with a really bad mouth movements yeah i don't know it's... like it drew it dru- it didn't just take me out of the moment it drugged me out of the moment <laughs> the the moment the moment that um <laughs> the moment that the doctor walks into the room and she like I when I watched it for the first time, I was like, "Oh, what is happening?" And then you kind of see a chair, and it's like, "What is that?" And then the doctor says, uh, "Why is there a frog in here?" And it was just like, it was immediate like deflation. It was like, "What? <laughs> why? Why is there a frog in there?" And then yeah, it was it's something else. It didn't. I mean, else. it didn't ruin the episode for me. I still really no, enjoy this episode. Not. I like the concept of this episode. I like the concept of this alternate universe. Um, the doctor, you know, kind of having a connection with it. Even like when she gives a little goodbye kiss kind of thing with her hand. Yeah. You know, like it's, it's cool. Like I liked this episode a lot, but I w- I do wish they had done the ending a little different. I didn't, like I said, I think in the long term, when we look back on this, we'll probably remember it fondly, you know, and kind of laugh at the frog thing. But <laughs> I really think this was a missed opportunity where that could have been grace and really made that a bigger emotional impact um, instead of a silly thing. Uh, it's yep. It, it was, it was a surprise. It was a surprise, but we did get a cool moment though at the end after all of this and they have now left. They decided to leave. They, they, they prevented the destruction of the universe, which, Hey, we wanted that, right? You said you yep. wanted a, a universe saving episode. It was a universe saving episode. But Check then that one off the list. we get right before they get back into the TARDIS, we get a moment between Ryan and Graham, which um, we've been kind of waiting for. Yeah. Major payoff. Nine episodes in one episode left. And we get the uh, we get the granddad. 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 I can't do that accent. They have such a cool accent. They do. And I can't, do. I can't nail these it. Com- these companions are awesome. i got to practice it. I do need subtitles because of it, though. <laughs> most, no most episodes. But yeah, we get the... Ryan calls him granddad, gives him a little shoulder bump. They go back into the TARDIS and uh, on to the next place. Did you notice that as the TARDIS was taking off, there was swirls of dust? No. I did not notice that. I, it was just the first time I've ever noticed like when the TARDIS leaves... It's stirring up dust as it leaves. I don't know. Mm. For some reason, I've never noticed that before. That's cool. Or it was time energy. I don't know. It looked <laughs> looked like it was possibly glowing. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I liked it. I like I thought this was a really good episode. It was unique. There's some good characters, some clever storytelling, some weird stuff. But I actually had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. Um, it had it had some very poignant emotion in the episode. Um, the setting was awesome. Um, the the co stars that they had on nailed it. Um, had some legitimately like creepy moments that were good for the setup and had some fun aspects as well. Yeah, I I liked it. This is we are we are climbing. We're climbing again in this series. I have high hopes for episode 10. Yep. I'm looking forward to the next one. Looking forward to the special. And then we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah. All right. Ready to wrap this one up? Let's do it. All right. Well, you guys can always find our episodes on iTunes. And if you do find us over on iTunes, we'd love for you to leave us a review. Uh, We thank you, all of the new listeners that have been listening to us. Uh, The new people that have been joining our Facebook group over on Facebook, if you want to jump in there, um, search for the Bad Wolf Radio group and uh, send us a request and we'll get you in there. But we've gotten a few new members and a lot of cool interaction going on over there. Um, Some very specific people that are contributing that I really like. Um, It's really, really cool that you guys are doing that. So keep it up. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So until next time. Follow ribbons to Missing Daddy. Did he, like, strike you as an It character by any chance? He has the red balloon. The red balloon definitely made me think It. Um, Yeah, I mean, he was, was like, he was, what's the word? Creepy is almost too nice. Yeah, I mean, he was evil. He was evil, he was creepy, he was disturbing. There you go. He was a disturbing character. He was de- he was definitely a disturbing character. I mean, like he didn't flinch or blink when Graham said you smell like we and he's like that's not my we. Like, <laughs> I didn't understand that. Who- like what is <laughs> whose we is it? <laughs> Ribbons, there's no one else here. You're you're all alone. <laughs> yeah, you literally live here by yourself. Oh man. I so every time an anti-zone pops up is there a new ribbons or is it just oh. a, you know it's of the of the seven stomachs, what does that mean? Mm. Ribbons of the seven stomachs. Because he's not ribbons of the nine stomachs. He's that's he, a different guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, where are the seven stomachs? Like, is the anti zone a stomach? I don't know. Or maybe those demons that fix time also live in the anti zone. It's possible. There's, there's got to be connections. I mean, why of all the places did the two parallel universes decide to collide in Norway through the mirror? And of all mm. the mirrors, of all the mirrors in all the world. Because, had be I don't know. Rain. Or could it be I'm that the, the alternate universe actually drew the TARDIS there? That, that's what I'm thinking. Like, uh, I mean, then we're talking about it's a trap for the Doctor. But it was, yeah. See, I don't feel like it was, though. No, because the doctor had to convince Trini at the end that she was the one that he wanted, or she wanted, which was an awesome monologue, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wish, just with a couple changes, like I think if they had had adjusted the story where it was specifically to trap the doctor all along, and if they had done Grace instead of the frog, like that would have, that would have taken this episode from like a seven to like a nine. Yeah, if they would have planned on it trapping the doctor, 
and they would have had a character that the doctor would have legitimately been been drawn to mm-hmm. by the solo tract. Like those two things would have put this one through the roof for this series. Yeah. And it's kind of like it even maybe would have been an opportunity to add in a little more mystery. Like even what if the character was somebody we hadn't seen before, but the oh, doctor yeah. recognized them and the doctor, would... like, you know, Oh, I, you know, that's, those are the type of, I feel like little missed opportunities that they could have really, you know, ramped it up a notch. And that's, that's where I think like the fact that they are adamant that each episode is a standalone episode. I think that's where it hurts. It is that, if it wasn't, you have the opportunity to play off larger themes like that. Hmm. Like we already had the the child reference in episode two. Like, what if they continued those things through to all of a sudden coming to the solo tract and then some other part, hidden part of Whitaker's mind gets pulled out and you get like this picture of one of her grandmas or one of who knows who and another mystery is dropped for us. Like, yeah fun story elements that mm-hmm. could have been okay dude i'll let you get going you got it content bonus hit up our patreon yeah starting it now we'll start, yeah we'll start a patreon for all this bonus content <laughs> it's just funny to see if anybody sticks around i think jason stuck around last time and listened to us talk about uh magic he made a <laughs> comment about that so Nice. So we'll see who's left, who's still listening, and make a comment on the Facebook page about what we just talked about. Uh, bonus points. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> see you later. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs>